Welcome to the Adoption and Fostering Podcast, a show for anyone who is interested in learning more about adoption and fostering. I'm your host, Al Coates, and I'm a social worker with over 10 years experience in the field of adoption and fostering. In this podcast, I'll be talking to experts and families about all aspects of adoption and fostering, from the decision-making process to the day-to-day challenges and joys of raising a child who is adopted or fostered. I'll also be sharing some of my own personal experience as a social worker and as a parent of an adopted child. I hope this podcast will provide you. Are you still with me, Scott? No, really not. When you get on to me in this. Right, okay. I I hope this podcast will provide you with information and support you need to make an informed decision about adoption and fostering or to simply learn more about this important topic. So whether you're thinking about adopting or fostering a child or just curious about the process, I invite you to join me for the Adoption and Fostering Podcast. But yay, there you go. That that was AI. That's, that's yeah. That, that was amazing. It knows you know things what, about was, me. I, well, yes, it does. But what I would say is probably, oh, by the way, I'm Scott Casson Rennie too. Um, oh, yeah. Just in case anybody's new to this. And I'm episode 167. Yeah, episode 167, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. If, I'm, I'm not being funny. Sorry, Americans, if you're listening, but... That would be fine if you're a nice bubbly American and you were doing a big old introduction with, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's what their podcasts sound like. So it's clearly a, an yeah, AI but, thing from America, isn't it? But it knows things about did me, it, Did it Google you? Did it Google you? Uh, it, it must have Googled me. <laughs> because I said, I said, write an introduction for the Adoption Fostering Podcast. And it came up and it, it knew that I was a social worker and I've got over 10 years practice experience. Well, whoop you do Anyway, how are you, Scott? <sighs> Yes, I'm fine. Well, I was fine until I heard that old claptrap coming out your gob. But yeah, all good. Thank you, Al. Are you all right? I'm all right. For the next episode, you ask it and see what it says about you. Is this stuff free? Because you know what I'm like? If I have to pay for stuff like this, I'm not doing it. No, it's it's free. It's called Google Bard. It's Google Bard I use. And it's really just, it's free. Oh, you'll have to send me the link and I'll do do one. Right. Okay. I'll I'll send you the link. And I'll do a bit more upbeat so it's more interesting. Excellent. So uh, our adventure into AI is just at the very beginning. So next week we'll be doing it and then um, we can you can retire back to your holiday. So in, in one sentence, how was your holiday? Um, it was lovely. There you go. There's one sentence. It was lovely. I am a robot. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we might as well. You've just done it. So oh, yeah. so. that, that was the worst start we've ever had. Um, Absolutely. We're just going to crack on because we've got lots of news, but I think we should un- info, and I've got lots of things I want to talk to you about, but not today because we've got two guests no. who are sat waiting with us, and yeah. we do, two wonderful guests. So today... Whose with- who's eyes have rolled back in their heads and, you know, yeah, they're-, ready, they're ready to log off now, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're seriously <laughs> doubting their life choices, aren't they? <laughs> Their evening choices, anyway. Yeah, well, their evening choices. Um, So today with me, I have Rachel Stemp, who is a researcher from Hartford University, and I have Marie Crook, who is a foster carer. So hello, Rachel. Hi, thank you for having us. Welcome, both. You're welcome. Well, well, thank you. I'm going to hand over Scott, because Scott has arranged it all. So I'm just just his plaything. Do you know what? I I feel a little bit like um, Al's been taken over by an AI bot, because the intro was just him, and then he said, and today with me, I have Rachel Stemp and Marie. Am I not, do I not exist anymore? Honestly, the AI is not really, me, which I, not I really feel like that. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so, um, so welcome both of you. And and I guess um, just to kind of give a bit of background, I was contacted by an old, 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 old friend who I know from years ago who has um, adopted children, and she 
has been working kind of closely with you, Rachel, I think. Yeah, definitely. She, yeah, she works at the University of Hertfordshire with me. She's our trial manager. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and she contacted me um, just out of the blue on Facebook. I haven't talked to her for ages, actually. And um, yeah, so here we sit. And it's taken us a while to get to this stage. So, um, yeah. So do you want to just give a brief introduction of yourselves and and, and what we're going to kind of discuss tonight yeah 100% so uh I'm Rachel I think well I already said that but um yeah I'm Rachel Stem. <laughs> a few times <laughs> um, I, so I work at the University of Hertfordshire at the moment I'm a senior research assistant there um and I'm working on a big study at the moment called the reflective fostering study um and I co-lead a project within that called include which is all about um inclusivity and accessibility um into research for foster carers Right. Okay. Hello. Hiya. My name's Marie. Um, I'm a foster carer. Been fostering for 13 years. I had lots of children along the way. Um, I have three children with me currently um, who are on permanent basis with myself. I did take part in the initial uh, session for the reflective fostering, and I just felt it was the, the right kind of training for foster carers. Obviously, I've done lots and lots of training, and um, I just felt I really wanted to help with the research and encourage this to go forward for foster carers of the future and present. So, hi. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, so, Rachel, start by telling us a little bit about this, the, the, the kind of what Marie's <laughs> just told us. <laughs> That's some rubbish. Sorry, that's really rubbish. Wow, that's oh really goodness. good. That's got <laughs> this. Uh... <laughs> no wonder I'm being pushed out the door, is it? Yeah. <laughs> what the computer isn't oh, coming. <laughs> yeah. I meant include, because include is where the, the, the one that Marie met, um, mentioned. It there. is so the other way around. So. <laughs> yeah, so see, that's, that's, that's even worse. Even yeah, so so Marie and I are both involved in the reflective fostering study. So um Marie as a as a carer took part in the program. Um so what it is is we're doing this big study because we know that foster carers are absolutely fantastic. Um, but they my impression is that they give and give and give, and it's hard to make time for yourself and um, to put your own needs first. I think that's something that kind of comes very naturally when you're giving out a lot, you, you put children first. So reflective fostering is this new program um, which is based around this idea of mentalization. And to put it simply, mentalization is all about thinking about kind of where your own head is at, what your own headspace is, and kind of using that to also think about where your the child that you're looking after, where their head's at as well, and kind of connecting on that level. Um, so it's this program, Reflective Fostering Program. We think it's fantastic. Um, we think all okay, should do it. Um, but we also don't think it's enough just to say that. So we're doing this study, the Reflective Fostering Study, to basically test out the program um, to see what difference does it actually make in terms of care and well-being? Does it actually make a difference for children? Does it make a difference in terms of placement stability? Um, so we're doing a big study. Um, the aim is to get 720 carers involved. We've already got over 450, so we're we're well on the way. Um, and it, it's set up as a as a piece of kind of really formal research. So it's a it's called a randomized control trial, um, and a, it's, it can be hard to get your head around, but it's often helpful to think of it in the medical way. So it's kind of like if you did a medical trial, and some of you would take the drug and some of you would take the placebo. 
So half the carers like Marie go on the program and then half don't. They just continue to receive their normal support. Oh, okay. um, and then we people do right. questionnaires and we we use those questionnaires to tell the difference that the program's made, basically. Um but yeah, I mean, Marie is, I, I just sit and do the research side of things. Marie's the expert because she's the one who's been on the program. Well, can yeah. I ask some questions about the reflective study? Because as I mean, I, I mentioned before we started that I have uh, been, we've both Scott and I have been a foster carer as I to endlessly tease him about him for about 35 seconds. Um, it was but, longer than that. Can, can I just say? But all right. Yes. Minutes, all right, days, that. something like that. It, it um, wasn't a long time. It wasn't many years like Marie, yeah. let's face it. No, and, and you and weren't was, that long either. So I was three, so. maybe three years, I think. I can't. It was a bit of a blur. Wow. Um, and also, wow. I worked in fostering. Shut up. Um, I am, um, and I was just curious about what the reflective study looks like because I think that I, I've just I read a bit of blurb about it. It's of it's ten. Is it ten two hours hour sessions? And what does that actually consist of? Because that's a big chunk of time. And getting foster carers to training, even at the best of times, dare I say, is not easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> don't shoot me down um but that's my experience and that's uh, as a carer and as a someone who's arranged the training so what's the sell how do you get people on and what are you doing for those 10 weeks well for the for me you're quite right when i first went on a coffee morning and um, with the reflective fostering um, people there i thought 10 weeks three hours can i really commit to this and i was very apprehensive about it yeah but I think for me, I've always been quite keen on my self-development in, in my role, whatever jobs I've done. And certainly in fostering, you know, you know, we come across so many challenges and we're always looking for ways to become better mm. foster carers, really, and make strengthen those relationships. So I thought, right, I'm going to have a go, going to give it a go. And I went on. And the first session I just found, it was three hours. Um, and it went very quickly, but I got such a lot out of that first session. We start off with mentalising, and there was about eight people on, on the course, the programme, and it was all on teams. So it was just at the very start when we were breaking out of COVID. So it was very nice as well to kind of communicate with these people. But I just felt it was very warm. It was very welcoming. I felt very, you could speak very openly. It was delivered by um, a foster carer who had a lot of experience and a supervising social worker. And I just felt right from the start, these understand us. These actually know the challenges that we're facing. They understand the things that mm. we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. And we're all talking the same talk. It was very open in a way. There was lots of breakout rooms. And some of the foster kids had real complex challenges. And I felt mine was, it was a challenge that was growing, but it, it wasn't as big as some. But there was no barriers to being open and talking about them. I just think every day after the session, I came away with something, with some new tool to work with. I think mentalizing and self-reflection for me was, was a big one. And I use that every day. I went on this in June 22, I think. And I still use those. Um, I, I wake up mentalizing. And it was something that you, you probably do. And foster carers are very... Like you said something before, we're very, you know, we're in it because we're those type of people. So you kind of already have those skills, but for me, it really brought them to life. So you, it, it kind of, mm. it offered me the support to self-reflect myself, also self-reflect with the child that I'm looking after. 
but be curious and do some real thinking. So when you're faced with a real challenge, it's given me that enablement to step back that little bit and think, well, go back to what you were taught on the sessions, self-reflect, think about what the child's feeling, what yourself feeling. Is it right now to, to manage this challenge or do we walk away? And there's lots of other things along the way and I don't want to give too much away, but I felt yeah. that I got that much from me. I couldn't wait for the next session. And then at the next session, you'd come away with something else. It was just just very friendly, very warm, very welcome. And I really wish if this had decayed years ago, I might not have had all those challenges yeah. that I've faced or I might have been able to deal with them that little bit better. Yeah. Excellent. So, I mean, some of that, so some of it sounds like it's it's also that being held moment, isn't it? Where you're being facilitated to be able to be curious about yourself and, and all that sort of stuff, as well as you called it mm -hmm. men mentalization, did you? Yeah. So is, is, is that part of it or is it? Well, say for the, you know, for the start of every session, we'd all do some mindfulness. So we think about where we are now at this time. So you'd start off, everyone would say, even the social worker, even the foster care who was facilitating it. And you might have some real high pressures up there. So everyone knows where, where you are. And that just kind of at the start makes everyone understand each other and be more empathetic mm. towards each other. So it, it just was, became really open from the very start. I've done lots of training over 13 years. We have mandatory training. We have training that you think your supervisor and social worker might recommend for you. We always go in yeah. and we understand trauma. We understand what all that does, all, all those life experiences do to mm. a child in care. We come away armed with what's happened to the child. But I've never came away from a programme or a training session where I felt but now I know how to deal with it. Now I feel a bit more or a lot more confident in facing the challenge and parenting it correctly, really, and in also understanding mm. myself. Am, am I ready? Am I not ready? And it, it, For me, it strengthened the relationship because, you know, the young person who I focused on, it, it, it was, you know, a bit hectic at the time, and now it, it's, it's mm. just worked. Can I ask where it's come from? Because um, I'm not, you know, who's developed this program? Is it what kind of, is there a, an underpinning that people would maybe kind of recognise yeah, or understand? Yeah, so um, it, I think this idea of mentalising, like when we use that word, it can feel kind of a bit alien, but I think um, people are kind of more familiar with with things like mindfulness, as, as Marie mentioned, or just this kind of idea of reflection and kind of reflecting on yourself. Um, so that's kind of what it's based on. I mean, the, the lady who in, invented it, for want of a better word, Dr. Sheila Redfern, um, originally it was, it, it, she kind of designed it for like all, uh, not just fostering, but any any form of parenting. Um, and it was really kind of in response to this, there's there's a lot of a lot of parenting programs out there for really young children and a lot of parenting programs out there for teenagers. But kind of in the middle, there's this bit of a gap and often parents can kind of be left thinking, what do I do all the time? So so she developed it in response to that um, kind of all around this idea of, of mental health and, and mental well-being. Um, and then a few years ago, we kind of it kind of evolved into this thing that actually this would also be great for foster carers. And, and there's 
a few challenges for foster carers and circumstances that are different from if, if you're caring for birth children. So it was adapted slightly, but that's kind of where it came from. Um, and, and Sheila is based at the Anna Freud in London. So that's kind of the origins there. Right. I have to say, I have heard of a name, but um, I'm not going to Google it just <laughs> now while we're talking. I will after. No, I'm straight on. <laughs> straight on. So, I mean, it's, I, I can't sort of, um, I'm intrigued by the the amount of time because I know that I've put on um, training that's kind of been progressive over a few months and it just is really hard to get people engaged. So was there a good, uh, obviously, um, Emery, you yeah. loved it. You know, obviously they, that's the reason you're here. You know, you are like, you're passionate, mm-hmm. got the t-shirt, everything. Um, so was was your experience reflected in the, your other attendees as well? Would they, or did you, did you get that impression? Um... We were fortunate that we were all local, so we were all from the West Lancashire area, all the people who attended the session. Didn't know each other before the session. We just maybe seen some in passing and support groups and stuff. But I made some real good friendships from it. Um, we still have coffee mornings. So we call them a reflective fostering coffee morning, but we just get together for a coffee, really. But the, the reflective fostering always comes up, so they still share stories about I was having this situation the other day and you wouldn't believe what was going on. And I went right back to the reflective fostering and I picked out this tool and I used this tool and went with this method and it worked. So everyone was on board. There was eight people on it. Eight people stayed to the end. And out of those eight people, I think six of us still meet up quite regular. It's got very positive um, feedback from everyone. In fact, when Mm. I do some mentoring, and I do some of the projects where I work with birth families and adopted families who are at crisis points. I use a lot of the stuff that I've learned from that to, to pass on, and I get some really good feedback from the people I'm working with. So it's it's just been so mm-hmm. beneficial, really. And I think that that's not just your experience as well, Marie, because we, we often get messages from carers saying, oh, you know, we, we now have a WhatsApp group for everyone in our thing, and a year later yeah. they're still WhatsApping yeah. each other, which is so lovely for us to hear because... Um, yeah, as as a research team, sometimes we don't get to see that that nice side of it, so yeah. they, that's always really welcome. But yeah, and I don't have children. Oh, sorry, Scott. So I mean, no, no, sorry, Rachel. I was just going to ask um, how, like, how many groups have taken place so far? Yeah. I mean, so the know. study uh, started. Well, it started in twenty twenty, which is a really inconvenient time to start anything in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> um, so the program started in twenty twenty one, and we've run. Uh, so every like term, we start new sets of programs. So there's been seven sets of programs, as it were. Um, and it, it varies. So sometimes mm. there might be three or four running in, in session. Um, but we've had about 450 carers go through the um, the study so far. And uh, our next our next okay. set, they're, they're starting in September. So if anyone's listening and they want to join, then mm-hmm. September will be the time. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm assuming geographically it's like all over the place rather than just yeah, it's, specific uh, areas. All, and... yeah. all over England. We've got some Welsh carers as well. I mean, the anyone from the UK is welcome to join. I don't think we've had um, anyone from Northern Ireland from memory at the moment, but yeah, so it, it's open across the UK. And because of the timing with mm. COVID, most of the groups have been on Teams. Um, and yeah. then mm-hmm. some of them have been able to set up face-to-face. And some of them are, are local authority specific. So some it might be that, you know, if you're from, well, Lancashire, for example, then Lancashire run their own group. But we also yeah. have mixed groups from across mm. the country. So if your local authority isn't 
running a group, then you can join with carers from across yeah. the UK. And obviously they're on Teams because you don't want to travel seven yeah. hours to join them. Absolutely, yeah. Like a really obvious question that I'm in my head is, is there a cost to foster carers or local no, authorities? No, none at all. Um, I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to say this on the podcast, right. but there's actually a little bit of uh, reimbursement to the local authorities. So the people who, the research right. is funded um, by the National Institute right. for Health Research. And so they, there is some sort of uh, thank you, I guess is probably the best way to put it, for local authorities. Um, because, it, you know, obviously social workers, and as Marie said, it's run by a social worker and a foster carer. They put a lot of effort into running the programme for us and getting trained up. So we do we do give a reinvestment. Hmm. Right, so you actually train facilities <coughs> to who from the local authority from the or wherever the, the region and then they do it right. So that, that makes sense. So does that is that open to independent foster care agencies yeah, yes. as well? So local authorities um, and independent fostering agencies, we've we've got both of them in the study. Um and it used to be that you had to have you had to be from a local authority who was kind of partnered with the study. Um, but just recently we changed it. So say you're from a local authority that isn't partnered with the study, you can still sign up directly to the study now. If that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean yeah. it is it's a fascinating fascinating idea because you're offering even if the training is you know regardless of what the training is you're offering an awful lot of training for free in something that sounds like it's got a i mean obviously you're doing a study to find out if it's got like a longitudinal benefit but already it's pretty clear that mm -hmm. it has some benefit you know when, but then you're, that's your job isn't it to work out to measure that benefit so how do you measure the benefit of <laughs> of training i mean uh, well perhaps marie you can say what it's like to do them because i only get i only see the data but um so carers fill in questionnaires. So when they sign up to the study, they complete a set of questionnaires and then they either go on the programme or they don't, depending on which group they're in the control or the, they're not. Um, right, and then yeah. they fill in questionnaires four months later and then again, eight months later. So at the 12 months, like 12 months after they first signed up. And we basically, well, it's not me, it's some clever mathematicians, um, look at the difference between those two groups. So it is just questionnaires. But Marie, I mean, I haven't completed the questionnaires. Marie knows exactly what they're like. Yeah, so you do the questionnaires whether you are in the actual programme or if you're in the control arm, and they're the same questionnaires. So they're very easy to use. The technology behind them was, was wonderful because, you know, that's one of the things a lot of foster carers maybe struggle with. We've got lots of paperwork to fill in mm. and questionnaires to complete. But they were so easy, and, and you could... So you pick your, your challenge. So what's, what's your challenge that you're facing with this child who you're focusing on at the minute? And then you rate it yourself. Is it high on the scale or is it kind of medium? Where am I on it? Then again, you do it in four months. So you've had the training or you haven't and you, you're seeing it. So is the usual support I'm getting helping or is it not? Is it staying the same? Is it getting worse or is it, is it getting better? And then at eight months again, you measure it again. And then again at the end at 12 so the both arms of, of the, the research are really important. And I think if you, when I'm, I do a lot of coffee mornings and I hear people going, well, you know, it really, really sounds good and I want to attend the programme. So I just explain to them, if you use the tools and do a self-measure of it, you and ask yourself the question, well, this isn't changing or this is getting worse. So the support I'm getting from 
my local authority or whoever it isn't helping. And you just use it to kind of measure that I need to ask for a little bit more support with this because it, it, it's not happening. And they are so easy. You can put them away. Mm. You, can, you can take four to five minutes to an hour doing them, but you can stop them at any time and you don't lose your data. That is just most important. It picks it. You can go back a week <laughs> later and you pick it back up and it's all still there and you just carry on and roll on. But I always suggest to people when you're doing them, don't just tick the boxes. Really, really think about it and use it for your own self-measure of if you, you know where, where you're at and is it improving or not. Thank you. And I'm intrigued because I'm, I'm not. When I did my degree, my research aspect of, of all of my units, my degree, <laughs> my research one was the worst. Got very disappointed with my mark, but I deserved no less, no more. Um, and I was wondering, in terms of you've got a group of people who are not having any sort of intervention versus a set of people who are having this intervention. That seems like such a gulf in between in some ways. It, it, you're getting a comparison between absolutely zero and something. And even the something, because I was thinking, well, I know that I do do a bit of foster care training. Um, and one of the things that the feedback is, oh, people just listen to me. That You know, people just like being listened to. And that it, people find that incredibly, <laughs> incredibly um, affirming and supportive and become away going, oh, that training was amazing. You go, all they did was listen to you. Um, so how do you actually measure the the models, the, the kind of the models of intervention, the specific kind of elements of the training itself? I, I, maybe I'm asking questions that I don't really know what I'm uh, talking I, about, it, but yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, in terms of the kind of, I just really felt listened to and that's what I got rather than the training itself. That's why we do those long-term questionnaires. That's why people are filling in a questionnaire a year after they signed right. up, because if it is just a case of, made me feel really good then you don't then you wouldn't see people still feeling good from that eight months later that will ebb um but i mean there are there are lots of people working on this study it's a massive team um and so for example we have a team that that work on evaluating the process of the study um and they look at kind of what is it specifically that is making the program work well um I'm not in that team, so I'm definitely not an expert on what they do, but we we do have people that are dedicated <laughs> to that. Um, and and they look at things like, for example, what what are the variations um in in the kind of control support, in the usual support that people get, because we all know that it, in some cases it can be a bit of a postcode lottery and the support you get certainly might vary between local authorities. So they kind of take all that into consideration. Um and we have, as Marie said, you know, a, a foster carer and a social worker delivers the program. And then we have a team of people who support them doing that and kind of make sure that they're doing that on model. So we know that the we, we're we also assessing, well, yeah, quality exactly, assurance. Quality assurance. Yeah. So there's, there's all sorts of things that are being assessed. Um, and the main thing we're looking at is, does it make a difference for carers and, and their children in the long term? But they're also kind of looking at how does that work? Um, because it, it's a fascinating area because we actually um, talk. I've been slightly confused about the emails that have been coming from yourselves as we were arranging it because there's another group of people um, who are looking at studying mm. DDP. Um, they, they, oh, I can never remember what the letters done, work for. Um, Dyadic, <laughs> developmental, something, isn't it? I think. 
Well, anyway, we'll, we'll, sorry. We'll, we'll, I can't believe we don't know that. We're having a moment. Um, it is dyadic. I know it is. I know anyway. it is, but I can't remember what the P is for. You go in. Well, I'm, I'm going to AI. Google. I'm AI. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it's really interesting that their studies are not, not particularly comparable, but they're, they're looking at DDP. You're looking at this specific, this specific model, the reflective fostering program. Um, and it's really interesting to think that actually we're, we don't have a lot of evidence for some of the things that we just do. And, you know, is there evidence for any sort of training or any sort of program? And I think I mean, this is that a question is it, you can answer? I, I don't know. This is one of the, the things that the study is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is one of the unique things about the study. It is one of the biggest studies we have. And one of the, um, one of the things that's challenging in in research is that we want to know all the answers straight away right and if you bring out a new training program you want to know immediately does it work but actually it, it takes time to see does things have a long-term effect and you have to get loads of people involved to make sure that it's not just working for a couple of people but that it's working kind of more broadly um and so you you're right in a way that in fostering there can be a tendency or well in children's social care in general there can be a tendency for us to say here's a program and we think it's good because people told us they felt good when once they'd done it, um, which is great. The, that's fantastic. If you're going on a program and it's it's making you feel good. But that's why we're kind of taking this really long term, big approach to this. Um, and, and it is something that more and more people are doing. But it's definitely something that needs to happen more, in my opinion, um, across across fostering and adoption mm. is kind of looking at things really rigorously um and, and kind of diving into the evidence and and i think it kind of can feel a little bit uncomfortable um when things are so relational and kind of the way that we work in fostering is that it's all about building relationships with children and everyone's circumstances are so unique and we're all so aware of that to take things into a research setting and kind of say is this better than this or reduce it down to numbers can feel a little bit weird um but i, I think you need both of those things, don't you? You need to have how people are feeling, but also having kind of rigorous evidence, I think is really important so that we know that we're kind of giving foster care is the best best support that we can, because that's what it's all about, really. I mean, mm. we we would love the reflective fostering study to, to be something that everyone can access. Um, but if it's not the best training, then, then that shouldn't be the case because really foster carers deserve the best training they can get. And so what we're trying to do is, see yeah. is this something that is going to be beneficial if it's not how can we change it to make it beneficial how can we make sure that we're supporting carers in the best way we can yeah um there's two definitions for ddp one is delivered duty paid <laughs> right that's right fun. yeah yeah i think that's the one <laughs> i think that i think the one that we're looking for is dyadic developmental psychotherapy, psychotherapy. i can never remember what the p is because I'm, I'm can never remember yeah. psychology or psych psychotherapy but there you go dyadic developmental psychotherapy yeah um and i was just going to say there rachel because you've you mentioned this a couple of times i think at the moment is specifically as well there's such a um, a number of foster carers actually turning their back on, on, on yeah. being carers as well. Um, and with the cost of living crisis, um, you know, there's been cuts to kind of support and services and stuff like that. I mean, stuff like this surely can kind of, I'm not, I'm not saying replace what's been taken away, but it can make them, it could, it could actually make foster carers feel more appreciated. 
in some way because they're actually getting yeah. a, a, a different level of support and a new a newer kind of style of of support rather yeah, than value. just the standard you know yeah 100 percent. yeah so that was just ask- my my reflections just so I'll get you with your fancy <laughs> social work words um, i was thinking about sarah foster wiki 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 wah, um because we've had her on a couple of times on me and, and that's something that she's really campaigning about in the minute is is kind of the the, the support that's dis- disappearing from the system and the number mm. of carers that are kind of talking about so i think it's, it's a really important part of the kind of development in the future of of for foster carers really um yeah that's kind of and i guess the flip side it. of that as well is no, no. if if like you know services are being cut left right and center and so the amount of Kind of resource that local authorities and independent agencies have to put into training and supporting foster carers is reducing as well so when they do support they want to make sure that that's really good support and that there's evidence that that is going to work as yeah. Well. yeah 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 absolutely yeah yeah because uh, i think it's a really com- i think it's a really complicated um dynamic isn't working out what what carers need because there's this element of um the stuff that you need teach people train people on but actually that's often just facts yeah. like you know like yeah. you were saying marie it's often it's just like things yeah, and we and get stuff. That. We, we get all the reasoning behind why the children behave the way they do or you know the impact that because we suffer secondary trauma we, we definitely do you know you, you live the trauma with the child you're looking after and i just felt this takes you right back to your own childhood and your, your own upbringing and the methods that your parents may have used with you to bring you up and to parent you. And it kind of makes you see that everybody is different and why that might not work for this particular child. I've got three children and I'd use different methods of parenting for each one because not one fits all. And and you have to remember that and go back to that. And I think doing the reflective fostering, taking me right back to that and you know as I said there's lots of other tools I'm not going to talk about all them today because you learn on the 10 weeks you get a new tool every week and it's brilliant <laughs> and you can pull <laughs> on on each one but also there's a tool for yourself and that's kind of it's it's prevented a lot of burnout I would say and I look after children in permanency so I've got a 20 year old who's been with me for 13 years I've got a 15 year old and a four-year-old, obviously, I have to parent them all very differently. Uh, and I get a lot of burnout, but I go away and I can, I know when it's time. Now. I'm, a, I'm quite a calm person. Foster carers are normally quite calm people. And, you know, we're in it because, as you say, that's who we are. But this really helped, and, and it did. Mm. Can I ask mm. a, a slightly off-point off question, but... Why did you become a foster carer? Well, to be honest, my husband was came a foster carer first, um, and we took on two two boys. Right. We had four daughters ourselves. They all got to 22, 23, 20, left home, went off, and we were like, ooh. I had a, a, a job that was quite hectic. I had a, a career and a job. I was travelling about everywhere. So he took on two boys, and I obviously done a lot of the work along that way. Um, and then as we, we got older, about 10 years ago, well, let's have a look at you know maybe taking on I've had a lot I've had like I could probably say 44 children along the way because I've took on lots of emergencies um and it just mm. it just felt natural really just felt natural because we thought we've offered mm. our children what we, we've been growing up into adults give them a good life we felt we're quite good at this you know they're all independent they're all doing really well um 
we'd always thought about fostering when we were even younger, but we were too busy with careers and bringing our own children up. So, yeah, it just felt right at the right time and we did. And then when I looked at retiring more, I thought, well, yeah, we've got a big house, we'll take on a couple more children. And they just happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think that this, um, you know, the the reflective fostering programme, do you think that's uh, like kind of, Put, given you something that means your fostering career, if you can use those words, um, is it give it longevity I'd say it, and giving it yeah, sort of stability? Yeah, I'd say stability. it's stability because, you know, we have, like I say, we have hectic moments and you focus on one child, mm. you have to choose one child to focus on. So I did. And that was because of being quite explosive, is, is the way I'd say it, at times. And the way, the, the tools and the skills that I took away from that, I think I probably already possessed them in, in a way. But then I've learned to utilise them and use them when I need to. But without saying to the child, now this is mindfulness and this is mentalising and this is being very self-reflective. I've passed on those skills to the child who now doesn't doesn't understand that I picked this up from a, a training session and you know. But I've taught her how to self-reflect. I've taught her how to mentalise. Taught her how to understand the situation and walk away. And we come back when we're both a bit more receptive to talk about what's been happening. And we get so much. We we move on. It was after, I said it was June 22 and I did it. It was June 21. Uh, everything's running smoothly. We still have our moments, but we go back in and we use these tools and we go back and it just seems to work. So, yeah, it's offered stability. Yeah. And I think it's, it's helped us less burnout. Me. I'd be interested to know whether you, your reflections on whether this would be something that could be then transferred to different communities, you know, thinking about um, you're a foster carer, but then thinking about maybe connected connected family members, yeah. kinship carers, and then maybe adoptive parents, and then maybe children of special educational needs, you know, children with complex Well, well definitely, uh, as I say, I do some mention and I work on some other projects called Lift Lancashire Intervention for Fostering Teams, and that. I work, so I work with birth families who are like maybe grandparents who are doing um, special guardianships. I work with adoptive families mm-hmm. and um, foster carers who are at critical point. And I, I just talk to them about a lot about therapeutic parents and we all, we all tend to know that one and pace. But then I've brought in this element of it now to self-help the actual caregiver and it, it, I get a lot yeah. of feedback from that to say that that's been really useful. That's really helped. It's interesting mm. that you mentioned about um, connected carers, Al, because I, we talk, we call it reflective fostering, but within that we include mainstream foster carers and also kinship foster carers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the study is for kinship foster carers as well as as well as mainstream foster carers. All right. Cool. Mm. <clears throat> Thanks for that, Maria. I mean, it is. It just sounds like yeah. it really helped you and and the yeah. young people that you have lived with. Yeah. I mean, in yeah, fact, I've, I've said this of... before. I've when I went to the celebration day and I did a presentation for the reflective fostering, and um, I still I use this these skills on my husband. <laughs> I use them so on my I. daughters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I use them on my four daughters. My four daughters now have produced me seven grandchildren. So, you know, I can actually give some of this to them as well. So it mm. is wider. It can be used wider, but for the 
reflective mm. of fostering for foster carers and kinship carers, connected carers. Yeah, it's quite um, it's quite a good good set of tools yeah. to have. Mm. Sounds it. Um, and then, and of course, you know, as the world changes, we have to put, you know, whether you've got a foster care, birth parent, whatever, yeah. whatever you're set up, really, you have, yeah. we all have to parent differently these days because each yeah. each person is different and we now recognise, I guess, and develop it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Rachel, sell it. Sell what it is. <laughs> well, I mean, we, if it hasn't come across, we think this is a fantastic programme. We think it's a fantastic opportunity for carers. Um, yeah. And there are still spaces to join the programme. So if you like what you hear, then do get in touch. Um, we are running another programme in September um, and sign up for that is open. So uh, I don't know how maybe we can put a link in the description for the podcast or something for how people can get in touch. Yep. Um, yes, we but yeah, yeah, so the study is open yeah. to anyone who is a kinship foster carer or a mainstream foster carer who is caring for a child between the ages of four and 13. So there is a little bit of restriction there. Um, but otherwise, yeah, anyone yeah. is welcome to get in touch. We'll send you more information. Um, and most of the groups are running online. So it doesn't matter where you are in the UK. You're you're very welcome to join in. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah, please do sign up. <laughs> Just so we'll put all that, but can I just go back to one? Was it the intention for it all to be online, or was that kind of something that just happened? Yeah, it as wasn't. A result of I pandemic? mean, it, the plan wasn't for it to be online at all. And we had to take, as I said, we were going to start in 2020, <laughs> we started in 2021, and that year yeah. was spent trying to work out how we deliver it online because it was designed for face to face. So even things like breakout groups and like it was, yeah, it was a bit crazy, yeah. but um. In a way, it's been really good because actually it's, it's yeah, opened it up to, that, yeah. to everyone. And just in terms of like travel costs mm-hmm. and timing, I mean, it's it's two and a half, three hours, right? So if it's online, that's all yeah. it takes. But if you've got to drive for yeah. 45 minutes away. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a blessing absolutely. in disguise, really, I think, it being online. So can you tell me a bit about Include and where it fits within the programme and the study? Yeah, definitely. So um, Include came in about uh, a year and a half after the study had started. Um, And the reason why is that we were looking at the uh, data of the people who were involved and and some of their characteristics. Um, And we we noticed that certain certain kind of groups of people are more likely to take part in the study than others. Um, So, for example, we have a lot more women in the study than men. um, And we have a lot more mainstream carers than we do kinship carers. Um, and so include is basically about exploring why this is the case um, and like is there something that the study team have been doing that's that's preventing kind of people wanting to get involved so we've spent the last year um, meeting with with lots of different foster carers and and running surveys and and reading lots of literature to basically um, understand how we can make research in fostering more inclusive of, of people who might um, typically be underserved or typically be kind of less uh, less forthcoming in, in taking part in research who wouldn't actually come forward um, and and so we, we've made a few changes to the study because of include as well so um, for example the Anna Freud centre if people sign up to take part in the study through Anna Freud um, we offer bespoke groups because a lot of um, some of the male participants, for example, said, oh, I would have maybe felt comfortable in, in a male only space. So we now offer kind of male only programs and um, same with kinship carers. So we offer kinship carer only programs. If that's something they'd like, 
um, and also programmes specific for people from South Asian heritage or um, ethnic minorities. And this has all kind of come through a process of hearing people and saying, you know, how can we make this research more inclusive for you? Because mm. I think if if we're going to say, I mean, ultimately, the goal of this is that we say reflective fostering is great and and we want people to roll it out. But if we're not including everyone in the study and we're not hearing what it's like for everyone, how can we say that? You know, if mm. the study's only got women in it, then we can't say mm. this study, this programme is great for men and women. So that's kind of where Include came from. Oh, you, there's lots to think about there and do you have i mean i'm trying to think of the data that we have about foster carers and so we do we do have quite a lot i mean the data set that's collected in terms of the actual fostering cohort who's in there we've got a good idea of who's in it haven't we so you are you just looking to get a representation of across that a cross section across that so in, yeah in yeah so gender sexuality yeah, so we we we'd really like the reflective fostering study to be representative of the national population across the UK, um, but also because we do have more carers from certain kind of geographic regions than others, we're also looking at local data. So each, so we look at, for example, Lancashire. How many male carers are there in Lancashire? How many kinship carers are there in Lancashire? So we're looking at kind of the national and the local, and we really just want to be representative of the population um that's the aim and yeah so i mean there's, i mean there are specific org fostering organizations out there in terms of um there's my foster family mm. who so uh, have you sort of have you reached out to them i mean we're speaking yeah. of them and they're not here <laughs> we've got a couple <laughs> of people from my foster family in our um in our includes advisory group actually so it's funny you should mention them um but yeah we've been we've been working with well meeting with with people from across across the fostering sector so meeting with some with some specific agencies for example kinship specific agencies um black black carer specific agencies um and asking for their input so they've been really valuable in kind of telling us how we might make the research more inclusive and, and more accessible um but you know talking to agencies is fantastic most of our learning has come from speaking to carers themselves so getting groups of male carers together and this whole project has been you know, I'm I'm a researcher by background, but we've got two guys on the team who are just foster carers by by training, and they haven't had any research experience before. Who've been helping us with the project. So the whole point is, how can we be more inclusive? How can we be more accessible? They've been running the the male groups, for example, because they're men. So we've tried to build that in a way. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I think it's a, I th yeah. And I was going to say, I think it's interesting because um, I'm just sitting here thinking about because I think that about this a lot over the years uh, uh, since you know since being an adoptive parent and very early days there was very few kind of same set other same sex couples who adopted and um and i always felt that for me as in me personally that actually being in a in a in a diverse group rather than a specific group if that makes sense so you know i don't get me wrong i you know i chat to other um same sex couples and gay dads and you know that are within my core but actually for me it was i prefer to be in just a, a, a kind of more generic group if that makes sense but actually a lot of people don't and, and it's really so you've really kind of got my thinking going on that as well it's, so it's an interesting thing for you to include which is probably why you got it include. Yeah. <laughs> loving your work there yeah. um boom <laughs> but i think you hit the nail on the head scott when you said for me i prefer to be mm. you know because yeah. i think that's what it, it's about it, 
if we just take a broad stroke approach, broad yeah. stroke approach, and we say, you know, this is how men like it, or this is mm. how people from South Asian cultures like it, then, yeah. then that's not right. And include is about kind of understanding the nuance and seeing mm. how we can adapt reflective fostering to to meet yeah. different needs. I mean, this is a really fascinating conversation because I've um, I've just been I do a lot of work in terms of challenging violent aggressive behaviour. That's a lot where a lot of my training and kind of expertise is, but just again and again and again just seeing men not accessing mm. that space where people want to talk about behavior um and i'm i'm i've been in i've been sort of commissioned to run a support group for um in a different country but that's the wonder of zoom for you um but actually <laughs> but across <laughs> and maybe it reflects the men but actually just still really difficult to get men in a room mm. and totally committed to the work but just not particularly comfortable with that sitting around talking about it. Mm. And that's just yeah. really peculiar. And I'm scratching my head thinking, how, how do we help men? Um, so it's interesting that it's, a, it's not just me. It's not personal that people don't want to be in rooms with me. Yeah, and, but the, exactly. that might be an aspect of it. <laughs> well, <I> say that. <laughs> awkward conversation. <laughs> Can I, I've been reading through some of the literature and, and I'm conscious that you, you said you've got, you've had 450 people through the course. You've, there's a deadline, isn't there as well? So we can't, we're not faffing around for people. Yeah, to sign I up. mean, right? um, so the program, the next wave is our final wave. So the, the course that starts in September will be the last one that is part of the study. Um, if people are interested, we'd love to hear from them in June or, and then, you know, by July, we want people to be signed up. There is a little bit of wiggle room, but we know that it's the summer holidays and everyone's yeah. priorities change. So kind of June <clears throat> to mid-July yeah. is, is when we're asking people to contact. Yeah. So I guess, um, Marie, just got, coming to you in terms of a final word about this, what, what would you say if any, any foster care or kinship foster care is listening and, and they were kind of, mm, that sounds interesting, but... Yeah. I think just bad, don't be apprehensive of the time because I think that's the biggest kind of killer, if you like, for people to say, oh, I can't commit to that. It's relaxing, you get something from it. The time goes very quickly. I started to, I, you get all the dates, you know, when, the, when, when they're coming, you know, so it's on a set day each, each week. Um, make that your time because it is your time and you'll get so much from it. Just, just go for it. Give it a go. Mm. You can't attend all the sessions. That, that's not a problem. You know, things happen, and you can't. Um, you get all the literature emailed to you, so there's no homework, none at all. You just live your life and practice what you've learned, and it works. And just give it a go. Yeah. Really, if, uh, as I said earlier, if this training had been around years ago when I first went into fostering, and um, you know, years later. I probably wouldn't have made the mistakes I've made, handled situations differently and mm. kept things running more calm without all of the trauma that I caused myself really in the burnout. So yeah, give yeah. it a go. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I am I am slightly intrigued. I'm trying to work out where I can get myself on, but I'm not. <laughs> you could deliver um, it. <laughs> Facilitate, yeah. I you could, could deliver facilitate. it, couldn't I? Uh, just, uh, <laughs> just asking for a friend, Rachel. Um, just someone I know. Um, is, are you looking for facilitators or um, uh, trainers? At the moment, no. Our facilitator roles are close. But... No, yes. She's spent an hour with us. She's like, that's not no why, way. That's not we no. have fantastic no. facilitators, but um, they're in the process of being trained up at the moment. So I think you might have missed the boat with that one now. 
All right. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh God, I could really let you down. <laughs> you have. The, um, the, you the tape for this. Worker. The tape for this recording might get lost somewhere between now and Saturday after that. I don't know. What recording? Um, well, <laughs> boy. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. It's been, it has been really interesting and it's kind it of given me a lot of food for yeah. thought in terms of actually how we, what, how do we prepare, how do we help people along this journey, really? So uh, I wish you well. And um, maybe when you've got the results, when will you have the results? That is a really good question. It will take a little bit of time because we need the the people who do the program in September. Obviously, they'll complete their questionnaires, their final questionnaires a year from now. And then we have to look at data. But yeah. if you're going to invite us back, then it's a definite yes from me and Marie. We'd love to. Yeah. Yeah, if, we're, yeah. if, if we're both still alive, <laughs> you're very welcome. And even if it's just one of us, you can still come back. Yeah, yeah. it might just be two AI bots, actually, at the rate we're going. I will not. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we okay. wish you well. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 B